going to talk about uh, love. But before we get started, I don't know if Pastor Anthony did this last week because your sermon wasn't uploaded, so I couldn't check it out. Huh. So, um, which is good. In, in, so this goes to the right, I assume. Or not. So um, we are doing a series, we call it Joy to the World, but we are, it was based off of um, the fact that we're coming up on Christmas, and we wanted to talk about Advent. And that was kind of a little startling for me, because when Pastor Cameron shared that we're going to talk about Advent, I realized that all I know about Advent is this. Yep. I know there's this wreath. Oh, yeah. And I always thought it was weird, because they have purple candles. I'm like, come on. Christmas candles, you should have red ones and white ones, you know. And so when we, uh, when, when he said we were going to talk about Advent, I, I thought, well, I better figure out a few things. And one I did figure out was that the purple candles are actually, like, the true Advent cam candles because purple actually represents uh, repentance and fasting. And Advent was a season where people were repenting and fasting. And the rose-colored one was meant to be... Um, joy, that you would have joy during the season. So the purple and red and pink ones were uh, significant in their color choices, and the white one represented Jesus. Um, I actually got a, an Advent wreath um, that is like a ceramic um, nativity scene, and it has the candles in it, but I never used the purple and pink ones because I was like, that's really dumb, because they should be red and white, you know? And uh, so since I've learned about this, I'm like, oh, that makes so much more sense. So anyway, um, so that, and actually I put it up today, and it's, I got the purple and pink candles. So what is Advent? So Advent, I have to do a little history lesson here. Advent actually started, I'm sorry, I'm going to get organized. There we go. Advent, they traced it back to, at least the research I found, was that it started around 4th or 5th century, and it actually started in Spain and Gaul. And it was meant to be a 40-day preparation for people who were going to be baptized. So if you got saved during the year, the 40 days before Epiphany, which is the, like the first week of January, one of those days, um, you would be praying and fasting in preparation for your baptism. That's why they had Advent. It was really a, a time to do that, to pray and fast. And in the 6th century, it started to be tied with the coming of Christ. Um, but also, not only his coming to the earth as a baby, but his return someday for us. So it started to, to morph a little bit. And then in the Middle Ages, it really got connected with Christmas. And today, when we celebrate Advent, when churches, a lot of denominations will celebrate Advent, they celebrate the four Sundays leading up to Christmas. And they celebrate two things. They celebrate the fact that we were given a gift in Christ, but also in an expectation for Christ to return. And Advent means little Lent because that same kind of hope and expectation is what we experience during Lent when we are um, looking forward to Easter. And so they call it little Lent because it's very much the same kind of excitement and longing that we have during Easter time is what we should be experiencing now. And so the four focuses of the season are hope, love, joy, and peace. So there's your history. 
lesson for today. So, uh, Christmas. Now, Christmas to me, I, I'm, I was so excited when I came in, because that to me, that's so Christmas to me. I love, I, I think about the fact that, you know, Christmas, we know that Jesus was probably not born in the middle of winter. But when God created the world, which I think is so interesting, Shamrock, did you read, like, read my notes at a time? Because I, I, God, when God created the world, it was good, and he created it with light, you know? And when sin entered in, that's when darkness came. And that was, um, and, and when we celebrate Christmas, or when, when Christmas is now, it's during the darkest time of the year. I just think that's interesting that <clears throat> during the darkest time we celebrate the most important light, you know, that the light of the world came to rescue us. And when I look at a Christmas tree, I often, that's what I think about, is that he just lights up the season, you know, he lights up the darkness. And, <clears throat> and we receive gifts during that time just in remembrance of the greatest gift that we've ever received, you know, that's that's uh, when I give gifts or when I receive gifts, I, I'm just so grateful for the, the most, the best gift that I've ever received, which is Jesus. So now there's two things that I want you to remember today. How many things? Two. How many things? Two. Thank you. And they are to receive the truth that God loves you. What is it? Receive the, the truth that God loves you. And reflect that love to others. Okay, so let's, I'm going to take you to, um, I was listening to a podcast, and um, it was by Rick Warren, who's kind of a big deal, and he <laughs> talked about, <laughs> kind of a big deal, not like Anthony, but kind of a big deal. Um, <laughs> our image of God, or what we think about, about God, is very warped. And if you ask people on the street, like, you know, who do you think God is? What they'll tell you is wild craziness. Um, and, and I, you know, if you look at the God of the Old Testament, we have such a misunderstanding of who God is. And we get pictures like this. It's like, I mean, I know that, you know, Earth is his footstool, but that was just like, he seems so distant and so like aloof and I don't know. I just not not very I don't know welcoming. I guess and maybe maybe your the way you see it is different. But but Rick Warren said this. He said, "What I think of God doesn't matter because it's an opinion. We need to know what the truth is. We imagine God in our view, in our bias." But he created us in his image. We can't believe that, the, that God is made in our image. So if you look around and you think, oh, well, I know what these people are like. That, you know, that God must be, whoa, 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 wrong, wrong way. It's the other way around. Yep. You know, God created us in his image. And so when you see people, you need to look at the things that God put in them that are of him. Not what Satan was taken away and twisted. Amen. And one of the reasons that, one of the things that happened when God sent Jesus into the world was that we would have a better picture 
a better idea of who God really is. That Jesus was the ultimate representation of what that loving father looked like. Because people had gotten a warped message about who God was. So we can, we can know who God is if we read John 14, verses 7 to 9. Jesus said, if you really know me, you will know my father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Anyone who has seen me has seen the father. You know, we sang the song today about Jesus. He's strong, he's sweet, he's meek, he's kind, he's beautiful. Guess what? So is God. Because if you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. Everything that is talked about, everything that Jesus did, is a representation of God. They aren't separate. One reveals the other. And likewise, God reveals Jesus, Jesus reveals God. If you have a better understanding of Jesus, you have a better understanding of God. It also means that a relationship with him, with God the Father, can be just as sweet as our relationship with Jesus. It can be just as kind. It can be just as loving. It can be just as whatever that is for you, and more, I believe. Because I believe that it, it just continues to grow and grow and grow. And that's what we want to know. That's how we, how God wants us to know him. In Isaiah 49, 16, it, it, God said this. this is, now, this is before Jesus. God said this about you. I have engraved you on the palms of my he loves you. And that love does something incredible for us. Um, I'm going to talk about John 3. And John 3 starts out with um, a man named Nicodemus, who is a Pharisee. And this is why I brought my phone here. Um, Nicodemus was a Pharisee. And he was, a, he was like, he was kind of high up there. He was, he was pretty amazing. And he comes to Jesus one night. This is what it says in verse 2. It says, Rabbi, we all know, speaking of the Pharisees, that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Okay, so here's, here's the, so if I work in school and I'm a teacher, and Carrie's a teacher, I walk up to Carrie and go, you know what? You do good. I can see that you're a good teacher. You know, I mean, it's kind of like a compliment. I would hope Carrie would respond with, hey, you're not so bad yourself, or thanks for the compliment, or something. But Jesus replies, I tell you the truth. Unless you're born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. Okay, wait. He just complimented you, and you just told him, yeah, you ain't getting in. I mean, that's what he's saying, essentially. Pharisees believed in life after death. They believed they would see God. They believed that if I'm doing all the things right, I'm obeying every law, if I do everything right, I'm getting in. And Jesus says, you ain't getting in. Whoa. Whoa, wait a second. And then he goes on to tell him, unless you're born again, 
now Nicodemus' mind is blown. Okay, wait a second. Now I have to, how do I go back in my mother's womb? How does that work? I don't understand. And he explains to him that you need to believe in the one. Oh, wait. And then he says, and as, this is Jesus still talking, Jesus says, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And it goes on and says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, <laughs> that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And then he says, and he sent, he was sent into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world. Yeah. Now, isn't it interesting that when he says this, he says that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So he's saying, okay, all that stuff you've been doing, all those laws you've been following, that's really nice, but that's not what gets you in. This is going to get you in. Yep. And then he says, and by the way, let me tell you again, whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He repeats himself. Like, look, if you say it twice, I remember Cameron saying that one time. If it says it twice, you better pay attention. Okay, he says it twice, like right back to back, you know. You're going to have to believe to have everlasting life. And so how does God do this? He gives his only begotten son. He gave himself the best gift that you could receive. I, you know, I um, there, it, it, I didn't look around at who does know me or who has seen me before, but um, so my testimony is very long and, and intense sometimes, but one thing um, that happened to me many years ago was I had a son who died in a car accident. Um, it is the reason that I got saved, but I remember while we were praying, we were waiting to find out if he was going to live or die. And I remember praying, God, just take me. Just take me. I would have done anything, anything to let him live. But I would have done that for my son. I'm not sure I would have done it for a lot of people. But God sent his son for you. Not just the person sitting next to you. And not for me. Because it says if he would leave the 99 and go for the one. He, he died for you. God said, you know what? I want to make sure that they're with me. That they have eternal life. And they can spend the rest of eternity with me in my presence. And the only way I can guarantee that is to make it easy for them. <laughs> to make it easy for But it cost him his life. It cost him his son's life. And he said, that's all right. It's worth it. You are worth it. Now, I 
love for you is extravagant. And it never changes. That love never changes. It, he loved you before you were born. He's loved you all along. He loves you today. He'll love you tomorrow. He'll love you if you turn your back on him. He'll love you if you embrace him. He does not change. His love does not change. And he demonstrated it by dying on a cross. In Romans 8 or 5 8, it says, But God demonstrated his own love for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He did it unconditionally, no strings attached, knowing that you may not respond, knowing you may say, Really, I don't want it. He did it anyway. Romans 8 says, nothing can separate you from the love of God. His love for you is always there. You can run away. It's still right there. You can try and hide. It's still right there. His love doesn't change. You cannot receive it, but it's still there. Because Jesus still died. That love was demonstrated. So, you need to receive that truth. That's what I want you to do. I want you to receive the truth that God loves you. God loves you. I, I, a thing, um, I heard Rick uh, Warren say that if, you, if somebody says, I don't believe in God, you should ask them, well, why don't you tell me about the God you don't believe in? I might not believe in him either. Yeah. Because we might have a misconception about who God is. And then I share with him the God that you know. Not the one that you believe in, but the one you can prove in the Bible. This is what he did. This is what he did for you. He died on the cross for you. Because he loved you. That's the God that I believe in. So then how do you respond? Well, in 1 John 4, it says, And so we know and rely on the love of God, the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. So if we believe, so the first thing we need to do is believe. Receive that, that truth and believe it. God is love. And he loves me. And he lives in me, and that love is evident in me. And in 1 Peter it says, You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. You are God's special possession. You're, you're, you're a priest. You're royalty. We were at the party last night, and my granddaughter made me my crown. And has me, had me wearing it all day today. Every place you went to, wearing my crown. And I walked in and people went, is your birthday? I'm like, nope. <laughs> I did have someone say to me, I did have someone, yes, and Ray wore his too. We, we all wore our crowns all day today. And uh, we 
you. So, yes. But we are. That's what God says. We are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. That you may declare praises to him, of him, who called you out of darkness into light. So we need to reflect that love back to God. Praise him like we did in worship. Sing out praises to him. Be excited about him. Meditate on that love. If you're not reflecting that love back to him, and I was thinking about this, God just showed me this picture of a, a mirror, that I am a mirror, and that God's love bounces off me and reflects back. But if it's not reflecting well, I might need to do some polishing. Amen. And that polishing looks like meditating on God's word. Amen. It looks like praising him. It looks like speaking truths out to him. And then we need to love others. We love because he first loved us. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. That 1 John 4, 8 says that. So if you aren't loving, you don't know God. So what does love look like? Well, 1 Corinthians 13. And this is why it's challenging at Christmas time, I think, because love is patient. Even if you're waiting in line. Christmas shopping. Love is kind. Even when Aunt Sally is obnoxious once again this year. Doesn't envy when someone else gets to take a vacation and you don't. It doesn't boast or be proud when you get something and other people are lacking. It doesn't dishonor others. It isn't easily angered. It doesn't keep records of wrong. <laughs> Challenges, can you reflect that love to those people? Can you reflect that love to people that you may not think deserve it? The thing is, Jesus died for them too. Amen. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always pers perseveres. Love doesn't fail. So the challenge is don't stop. Don't stop loving people, even when they're hard to love. Actually, Carrie taught me a really, actually, she taught me a lesson and shared her truth with me, I don't know. But my, uh, my stepdaughter and I were estranged for a long time, and by golly, she was really awful to me. So I had a right to cut her off. <laughs> and Carrie challenged me, and I was like, poof, okay, you just don't understand. And then God got a hold of me, and love never fails. Love never fails. And, and, and it's hard. It was hard. You know, I am so grateful that I started to shift.
show that love to my daughter again because it changed everything. It changed everything. The relationship is completely different. I have a voice in her life. I have a daughter back. I have grandkids. So we need to reflect that love. We need to reflect that love back to the Lord, but also to others. You know, love is <laughs> the thing that more songs and stories have been written about it than any other subject. And I think that's because God is love. And he created this world and everything in it. It is woven in the fabric of our being. Yeah. That love is in everything. It can't, it can't help it. It's in our DNA. So, receive the truth that God loves you and reflect that truth to those around you. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Anthony did not lie. Your heart is amazing. I was like tearing up as we were talking about love. That's awesome. Um, Bob, I'm just going to remind you all um, that there's going to be prayer and rhema um, up here at the end. And so before I dismiss you, let's pray together one more time. Um, Lord, we just thank you so much for the truth of your love. I pray that instead of just hearing it or, or thinking that it sounds nice, that we receive it into the fiber of our beings. That our identity changes and bends and is formed into um, your love and receiving your love and being a mirror for your love. I thank you that you've called us to shine your love to others this season. So thank you for those opportunities that you've given us to do that and for never giving us a shortage, for always being more than enough for us to love others. So we love you in Jesus' name. Amen.